Welcome back to Promoted. I'm your host, Felicity Fury, co-founder and CEO of We Aspire. And today I'm joined by the amazing Renee Wooten, pilot, aerospace engineer and speaker. Hey, Renee, how are you? Hey, Felicity. I am well. How are you? I'm great. And we've got a super interesting question on the podcast this week. This one came into my inbox and it was interesting. I was surprised this person actually shared this with me. And she said, bit of a selfish request, but do you have any resources, podcasts, articles, anything that you might recommend on dealing with imposter syndrome? I did ask her, is it for you or are you asking for a friend in a yes. Uh, she said it was for her. She's starting a new role in a company and it's quite a step up for her. So she had the feels of imposter syndrome. Renee, have you had imposter syndrome before? You seem you always seem like a confident person to me, but I have my suspicions. Absolutely. Who doesn't have imposter syndrome? <laughs> the syndrome is just another part of life. Uh, you know, as you grow and develop. I don't think anyone that steps into something new and experiences change doesn't have those feelings of nervousness or that lack of self-confidence to kind of, you know, hit um, straight off the mark and do an excellent job at whatever that change brings about. It's, um, it's something I think we all struggle with. Mm, I do love a challenge and I know that if I don't have one, I'm bored. So I kind of go after the challenge personally. I really like that. But there definitely is that, oh my gosh, and even this week I experienced it. I went to my high school reunion of 20 years. It was hilarious. They're always the worst of such a pressure cooker or just like, you know, this, um, I don't know, like it just brings up all of these like, you know, childhood traumas that we've all been through, whether it's bullying or whether you're part of a clicky group. Like, how is that for you? Totally. There was so many feelings there. I was literally getting a pep talk from my husband on the way and I you know, traveled to Brisbane, which was a two hour train journey from my home. I was like, should I go? I don't know if I should go in. Uh, there was other people actually that I saw on the phone outside. I was like, I wonder if they're doing the same thing as me. And you know, I went in and I actually shared that with people. I said, oh, I feel like I didn't really want to come today. And everyone I shared that with went, oh, I felt the same, but I'm so glad that I came. So I was feeling like an imposter in that room. And that's kind of, you know, a social setting. I get it in social settings as well as in the workplace. Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one because, yeah, I do love I do love a challenge. So it often comes up for me. I do like getting out of my comfort zone. And for me, if I am getting out of my comfort zone, then I feel like that's a really good thing and that's a growth moment for me. What advice would you have, Renee, for people who are experiencing this? What have you seen that's worked for you or what would you recommend? Uh, so I think a lot of imposter syndrome comes from a disparity in the perception you have of yourself versus what you think others perceive of you, right? So that's where imposter syndrome comes from because people might say to you, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so intelligent. Like you absolutely suit doing this job. But then you're like, oh God, I've never done this before. I don't feel like I'm ready for this, but here I am. I've been given the opportunity. How do I make sure I meet everybody's needs? So I think you know, we experience it so, so often. And some advice I would give is everybody experiences this. So I think, you know, we kind of go through this, um, this journey of life thinking like, oh, it's just me. And it's, you know, at this point in time, I'm the only one experiencing this in my world, but actually anyone that kind of goes through change and takes those extra steps, um, and experiences it. I mean, the, the situations that people experience it are always different, but, 
um, you know, promotion would be such a common thread for a lot of people around experiencing it. So um, for me, I think it's just one of those things where you have to look at it front on and go, okay, I'm definitely experiencing this right now. Um, I acknowledge it. Um, However, it's not going to stop me and it's not going to define me. So what are the steps that I need to put in place now to work through this? Why am I feeling like this? And why do other people have this perception that I can do the job? It's probably because I can do the job. I'm up to the task. So then let's just jump into action mode. How do I start thinking about what I need to work through to actually do my job well? Um, Having conversations with your managers to set the expectations so you know what you're working to. It's really about... I think getting clarity um, when you're in uncertainty and that helps you kind of wade your way out of it and build this roadmap to actually work through it. What do you think? Yeah, this, all the stats. And this is so interesting. The research says that actually 70% of people experience imposter syndrome and maybe the other 30% are just lying about it because I agree. I think everyone experiences it at That's some point. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're if you're not, I think it's also, you know, for me, like, you know, get out of your comfort zone. I think that's a good thing. So if you're not experiencing, go, oh, okay, maybe I haven't been in the same place for, for a while. For me, like dealing with it uh, comes a lot down to practice. So, for example, public speaking was something that I didn't, you know, I'm not naturally born an amazing public speaker. I was petrified of it at school and it was only a few years into my career that I started doing it. And now that I've done it so many times and I've practiced it a lot, I don't feel like that imposter. And for me, the positive story that I have around it is, well, maybe there's just one person in the audience that needs to hear this today. Same thing with posting on social media. I cringe when I'm pressing posts on those LinkedIn posts, but they leave myself. What happens if this could really inspire someone to make a difference? So I think that reframing is really powerful of why you're doing something in the first place. And I I think similar to what you said, Renee, I'd call it drawing parallels. So is this something that you might have done in a different context before? So as an example, presenting, you know, if it is for me presenting, I go, oh, okay, I've spoken to 100 people. I actually find presenting in small groups really intimidating because I think, oh, what are they going to ask? I'm so close with them. I, you know, there's that real intimacy in a small group. Um, and I go, well, I presented on stage in front of 1,200 people. So surely I could do it with 12 people in a room. So is there a similar experience that you've had in a different context that you could draw on to give that confidence or, you know, say to yourself, oh, well, I've done this thing and that was really hard. Okay, well, this is also something that's hard. I've shown to myself and proven to myself that I can do hard things. Then, you know, this is a, it's it's different experience, but similarly challenging and drawing those parallels, I think can be really powerful. And I'm seeing you nodding, Renee. Is that something that that you've done too? Yeah, actually, as you're speaking, it kind of takes me back to um, when I was in primary school and I was watching someone present in public speak and they're a nervous wreck. They were coming out in red rashes and it was just awful to watch. I felt so bad for that person that was up there giving that speech. And what I realized in that moment was everybody is now fixating on the fact that this person has a red rash and their voice is quivering rather than the words that this person is saying. Mm. So the lesson out of that for me was, This person's turning up and pushing through that barrier, which is incredible, but people aren't walking away with the message that they want because they're focused on the the uncomfortableness of the room. 
So I took that as a really big learning. And when I am walking up to the stage today and presenting, I still feel those sense of nerves. I still um, feel the quiver in my throat. I still feel the knocking of the knees, but I talk to myself through that. I'm like, you've done this before. You're going to be okay. Um, you know, you don't want people to not walk away having listened to what you've got to say. So make sure you pull yourself together when you get up there and just deliver the message and nothing bad is going to happen. So I have that internal monologue, which is kind of one of my strategies to work through really hard times. Um, I think for someone that's a bit more experienced, so I've been in the workforce now for about 12, 13 years. When I first came in versus what I'm like now um, is very different. So I had huge imposter syndrome coming in as an intern at Qantas back in 2011. I still remember my first day. I was from a regional town and then I moved to Sydney. I started at the Qantas headquarters and it was just this overwhelming experience and I felt completely out of my depths and just not, not the sort of person they were looking for at all. But hey, I... I've kind of moved through a 10-year career with the Qantas Group since and, you know, looking back, I feel that that was just a sign of my naivety really and just a part of the journey that is, you know, taking on growth and getting experience and becoming um, becoming a professional. So I don't think we can ever avoid it, but really, you know, there's steps around walking yourself through it um, and giving yourself the confidence that, you know, because we know so many people suffer from imposter syndrome, it's just going through those motions and accepting it's part of that journey. Yeah, I think you can turn it into a real positive. And I like to talk about imposter syndrome for good, where you go, it's actually really good that you're having, you're noticing that dialogue that's going on because the opposite of imposter syndrome is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you heard of this before, Renee? Oh, I have. Yeah. So, you know, being overconfident and that's actually really bad. That's even worse than being an imposter because you're overconfident that you could do something. And does that come up in pilot training? I'm wondering, because you don't want to be over, you want to, how do you, it's almost like that's really, I'm fascinated actually now that I'm thinking about it. How do you make yeah. that right level of confidence, even when you're training to be a pilot? Yeah. So they actually train this in human factors. So they go through, um, through resource management, it's called CRM. So it's all about, um, acknowledging that there is hierarchy in people's positions in the cockpit. However, that shouldn't stop you from speaking up if you're observing something that you think is against policy or, um, you know, would obviously keep the aircraft safe while flying. So, um, and it's become a key kind of component of a syllabus in uh, flight training, I would say, in the, in the last decade, because there's been so many incidents and accidents where people respected the hierarchy or didn't feel safe to speak up because of that hierarchy and it led to an incident or accident. So it's actually so important to kind of push through that imposter syndrome, um, whether it's, you know, a, a said thing out loud where people kind of, you know, prevent you from speaking up or um, are a bit arrogant or, you know, don't really provide that safe space for people to bring their best selves to work and really give good feedback. Um, it's so important to speak up regardless of that, but obviously that can be really hard if you're young, um, but if you're more experienced and you're comfortable doing that, um, you know, that's kind of where you see um, you adding the best value in those sorts of situations. So um, it comes in many forms in foster syndrome, um, whether it's, you know, a framework or a process that a company, company implements versus a personality trait. Um, 
yeah, there's a lot of ways in which uh, it can play out in the workforce and um, can be incredibly hard to navigate. Absolutely. And I think for me, it's been something I've had to really practice at building that confidence over time. And I've had lots of different roles. I did site engineering, structural engineer, project manager, then went into having my own business and design manager role, all you know, all different roles. And so I think uh, first impression is, okay, could I do that? And uh, a bit of a gasp. And what's really one of the like, really simple practical things that has helped me is literally having a list on my goal spreadsheet of the things that I've achieved. And that really gives me confidence when I go, oh, I'm going into this situation. I feel like an imposter. And then I go, okay, well, this mentor said this to me and said that I could do this or I was capable or I achieved this result. Like the stuff we've done with Power of Engineering running 140 plus events now around Queen, like Australia. Okay, that's really cool. Well, if I could do that, then maybe I could do this scary thing as well. And it seems silly, but just having that list, it's almost like something I can have in my back pocket, even if though it's like a spreadsheet on my Google Drive. It's really helped just say to myself, okay, that's okay. And really understand and acknowledge I've got that inner critic going on and that's okay. Um, just notice that it's happening, pause, and then take that opportunity to refresh and reframe. Yeah, absolutely. I would say based on my experience, I have suffered imposter syndrome every single career change that I've had throughout my career. Mm. I started as an intern. Uh, it progressed when I became a graduate. Um, when I went into my first, you know, um, senior role, uh, management role, uh, I transitioned from engineering to flight operations, which was fairly okay. I still suffered from um, imposter syndrome going from engineering to flight ops, but then I suffered from it again going from flight operations into a strategy role. So, <clears throat> and even again, when I've gone from that strategy role into my current role today, um, I've experienced it, you know, the entire journey through. And I think the biggest learning and the biggest moment that I had to reflect on that and actually progress through it and kind of now feel a, a lot stronger in my identity, my capability and my skills comes from um, having a manager that just supported and backed me so strongly, um, mm -hmm. but also a mentor external to my role um, that provided that sense of kind of clarity as well. So <clears throat> I was working at Western Sydney Airport uh, as a commercial strategy and planning manager over the COVID period. And I just had an incredible boss there that just backed me, provided me with amazing development and support throughout my entire time there. Um, and the imposter syndrome I experienced was really heightened when I got the job and it kind of tapered off over the time that I was there. Um, and it really comes down to the fact that I could be so open and vulnerable with her and share how I was really feeling and she never judged me and she always set me up for success. So in hindsight, that gave me incredible insight into what it means to be a great leader, but it also helped me validate that I, I was capable. So it helped me kind of reduce that imposter syndrome. And I've taken that forward now, uh, being in my first leadership role now where I have direct reports um, and use that not only as an incredible example on how to lead others and set your team up for success, uh, but how to validate your team members and how to actually make sure they feel comfortable so that they can also kind of go through that self-soothing process of removing that imposter syndrome. 
No, that's actually really demonstrated it for you, demonstrating that conversation, right? That safe space. And now you can demonstrate that with others. And I think sharing is such a big one. And I often do that as well. If I'm, as you like call them my besties, my best girlies. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Whitney, because I'm always calling her yesterday uh, around the high school reunion uh, to say like, hey, I, you know, this is what's coming up. I often call over for a speech just to go, look, I just need to like, word vomit on you just all the thoughts and feelings that are going on in my head I know that they're not real but by articulating them out loud I go oh my gosh they're so ridiculous it is so silly that I'm thinking this and just getting it out loud helps so much which you know I think having that vulnerable safe space is so so powerful to have or you know my husband's another great one for that too particularly if we're yeah running big important events for clients it's so great to have his support um and have him there so that's so great you had a manager that could do that because I think that's really rare to have often in the workplace um yeah I, I agree I actually reflect on at times as well like the the systems we have in place to actually allow people to enter education and employment you know at times um we can have such stringent you know you need to get this score out of high school you need to get this score out of university before you can get this job and you can only get that senior job if you've done all this other all these other things and then you find people along your journey that hey didn't get the score but still succeeded or um, didn't have that same experience that led to them getting a senior role they actually jumped around quite a lot and then um, jumped quite a number of ranks to end up in that senior role so um, I think also it's a function of the environment that we grow up into where we place this expectation on ourselves that we have to follow a certain path and we have to get a certain score and only if we get those things do we then internally reflect that to say, okay, now we're worthy and now we can do it. So I think it's also, um, you know, externalizing the environment and, and internalizing that. So seeing that external environment and then making that part of your identity. And I think that can be a very scary thing if you're not self-aware about that. And that, again, comes with confidence and maturity and experience where you can go, oh, um, you know, the school expected this, but I did this and I felt different about myself at the time. But now that I've grown up and realized actually I've got incredible strengths in X and incredible weaknesses in Y or areas of development in Y. And that's why I can see why I failed in that way, but I'm actually succeeding in other ways now. So getting to know yourself throughout this entire process will give you that confidence to go, well, there's no, there's no way I was ever going to succeed in this kind of you know, journey. However, I've succeeded in this other journey because this is really playing to my strengths now and I've got great people around me and I'm, you know, I'm progressing quickly because it plays to those strengths. So I think um, it's such a hard thing to kind of early out in your career, get all of those things to align around your self-awareness, your skills, your capability, a great environment, culture, leaders to kind of back you up and keep you on that path to success so don't be hard on yourself as well is probably another key message I had coming out of all of this is you know it takes time to get to know yourself and know what you want and where you're going and what your options even are so um, just try to give yourself some grace I would say as well as you're going through these periods because it is hard to manage and everybody experiences those feelings of impulse syndrome or anxiety as they go through it so yeah, it's totally normal. And what I can really hear in you say in your speaking, Renee, is around building that self-confidence. And I think self-confidence isn't talked about enough. And 
we, you know, in Australia have the tall poppy syndrome where it's, you know, cutting people down who are saying they're doing really great things. And I think that can really affect how people speak about themselves and build that self-confidence. And I know even as a young person growing up, I would share things that, you know, I'd achieved or I'd accomplished. And I distinctly remember my family saying things like, don't big note yourself, don't talk about yourself too much. Um, someone uh, for a while uh, called me Fig Jam, which uh, I'm not sure <laughs> if you know the thing. Uh, meaning behind that or even someone while I was moving on a construction site called me tickets because they said I had tickets on myself so I have not had the kind of response to being confident about something which can be so tricky and then kind of has this whole dynamic of being an imposter trying to build up that confidence being shut down I mean, it can be so confusing with everything that's going on uh, particularly you know, if you are early in your career. So I don't know if you've been called Fig Jam before, Renee, but all the confessions here. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I can't even imagine what some people probably said behind my back. I think, um, yeah, pilot training was a, a wild ride for me. Uh, I I really think that a lot of younger instructors kind of experienced imposter syndrome in their own way and that kind of came out in the way that they teach people and taught people so um it's such an interesting thing because you can be a victim of imposter syndrome um and that can really hold yourself back and your self-progress but equally that means at times people are projected onto others and stop them from succeeding as well as a result of what they're feeling internally within themselves but um yeah it's uh I think it, it really can be amplified too if you're starting out your own business, which I know, Felicity, you've run n numerous um, businesses and you're an incredible entrepreneur, um, which leads to amplifying kind of imposter syndrome in even more facets of your life because you don't have at times people to bounce ideas off or create content or go out there and show you how to do it because you're doing it for the first time on your own. Um, so having that kind of lonely journey of, you know, navigating this leadership path and am I doing it right? I can't even imagine how often you would feel it in the environments as well. Do you know, I actually feel like the entrepreneur journey has not been as scary because there's less people around where if I am interesting. Yeah, I feel like there's more judgment because I think, oh, what are people going to think of me? And funny, I actually worked in one workplace and then I went into a consulting role and the in the consulting role, they wanted me to go back to the original organization, which I ended up doing. And I'd won an award since going back. And they said, and it was this 100 Women of Influence Award. And someone literally said, be careful, she'll influence you. Like it was a bad thing. And I thought, oh, can't you even say, oh, congratulations on being named in the very first 100 women of influence or send that you work on this nonprofit. So I often find because it's – we do get to pick our team, which we're so fortunate to do and we have our own business and we work with amazing clients. We're so lucky to, to have such great clients. Then that makes it easier and I think often I'm feeling like an imposter more so when I am in that really traditional engineering environment. Um, often if I'm the only female, then you're already feeling like you're the odd one out. So there's all that kind of – stuff to add to it but uh yeah when you're running your own business there's less people looking at you potentially uh so i've found it can be um yeah but yeah for sure i do experience it at times running our business um particularly when when you you are in a small team you have to do so many things that are outside of your actual skill set uh like sales and marketing or yeah i could list like a hundred things that is not in an engineering degree yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, that's a wild thought to actually believe that somebody would say, look out, she will influence you. I know, I know. That's wild to me. But to me, again, that speaks to their own imposter syndrome, right? Like what insecurities has that flared out up in them for them to not be able to be in a position to support you? Um, and how do you say that actually? Because there's definitely, you know, within the aviation world, there's always, um, you know, certain pockets of people that, um, you know, have this, the tall poppy syndrome, so constantly just fighting over each other and who's getting to the top and trying to undercut each other. And it's um, it's a real shame, but um, just know that I think if you are aware of your own imposter syndrome, that's the first step to really then being able to work through it. And I think over time, as you progress through building skills, building confidence and getting more experience, you just become so accustomed to then going, you know what, I've done this before, I can do it again. Um, So even when you feel those, you know, um, feelings of anxiety or imposter syndrome, um, you know that you can now work through that. And it almost becomes this ongoing cycle of, oh, we're back here again, but it's okay. I made it last time, so I'll make it this time. So I think, um, yeah, uh, although imposter syndrome is probably there, it's probably less prevalent and then your confidence kind of keeps growing. Um, But then that leads us into a whole new topic about, you know, not being overly confident as well. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I think now that they're in A, it's really, and the engineer in me is going, oh, I love a good process. This is so good. (laughs) With the process we're dealing with imposter syndrome, insert here. Uh, but you're right, it does come up time and time again. It's not going away. It's something to be, you know, that we constantly, I think, will we'll be dealing with um, throughout your career. And I think we can use it for a good thing. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode all about imposter syndrome? I think that's been great. It's been really nice to hear your stories as well. And um, yeah, for anyone out there, we're right behind you. Don't stop um, and make sure that you just keep persevering. You've got this. Absolutely. You do have this. And if you do have questions, get in touch, head to the We Aspire website. That is weaspire.education. Put your questions in there or feel free to DM me and Renee on LinkedIn and we would love to answer more of your questions about getting promoted and being great. When you get there, you've been listening to the Promoted Podcast. We cannot wait to see you in the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. Bye.